The reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 10 through 17. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with them, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethesda. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves and loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the, to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The word of God for the people of God. I was warmed to the core by three words. Three words that were very unexpected. You know, it's unexpected words that have the greatest impact on us, isn't it? When the boss calls you in and you're afraid it's going to be a chewing out and instead they say you're doing a good job and they want to move forward. Well, the words that I heard were words that were unexpected. And they take on more meaning then, a lot more meaning. If you only say I love you to the person that you love on anniversaries or maybe his or her birthday, I'm not saying it isn't a good idea, and you probably ought to keep doing it at least that often, but you know, some unexpected times will probably uh, improve the relationship. A little background. I had been in the hospital for part of the day before this was said to me, and then part of this day. It was one of those family situations that no family wants to go through, but we all go through it. There were prayers, there were questions, there were reports from the doctor, there were all of those things, but there weren't a lot of answers that made anyone feel good. The prayer to God of why was very real. And as I left for the evening, a gentleman, I think it was a son, came out of the room and followed me out of the hospital room and said, I just want to say something to you. I said, oh, okay. He said, God bless you. Now, I wanted to say real quickly, oh, it's not me, I'm just doing my job. You know, all of those things that we say. But somehow in that moment... The, vo the still small voice of God was louder and said, just be quiet and let them say it. God bless you. Blessings from God. 
We need those, don't we? But why was it that I was so, that I had such a hard time hearing that or accepting it? It could be what had happened a few days before was a little bit more normal in life than I think it was. This was not, af not long after we had left Court Street and were living in southeastern Michigan. We still had Susan's convertible. I always refer to it as her convertible, but I was the one that bought it, and I was, well, there's a debate over who loved it more. You know, there's about eight months out of the year that a convertible in Michigan doesn't make a lot of sense. But in the summer, in an evening, when you put that top down and you just enjoy all of God's nature, and it is great. I was going home. It wasn't from the hospital. This had happened a few days before. And I was enjoying the magnificence of summer in Michigan. I pulled up to a stoplight. And I continued to enjoy that beauty, the smells, the joy, the sunlight fading. And then I heard from behind me a horn honking that I thought would never stop. And I heard what in no way you could classify as a blessing. God was invoked. My family heritage and, and intelligence were invoked. And I was informed that the light had turned green and that any person in their right mind would be on their way. We find it so much easier to attack, to dare I even say damn those who are in our way. I don't want to pick on the poor guy in the truck because, well, I would have cleaned up my language, but the horn would have still honked if I was the one behind. We live in a culture and a society that emphasizes and allows the opposite of blessing. God gets involved, but not in a positive way. But the church, let me say larger than the church, God is not in the business of honking horns and yelling at us and invoking where we should spend the rest of eternity in a negative way. But God and the church at its best is in the business of blessing. And what is blessing? I don't understand all of it because there's so much of a mystery around it. But blessing is invoking God to be with us or the person or it is invoking God's presence in a particular situation. We don't do enough of that. But there is quite a bit of it that's available. Baptisms, whether it's a little child that we hold or an adult that is here, in baptism, we are asking God to be with that person. We are asking God to put... God's arms around that child or that adult and to walk with them, not just as they go out of the church, but in all of their days of life. We are offering God as a blessing. And at the end of services, when we do a benediction, it's a blessing. It's saying we've been here to worship, we've heard, we've listened, we've prayed, we've asked questions, and now we're going into the world, and we're doing it not in our own strength, but in God's strength. Let us Go with a blessing. The prayers that 
religious professionals are called upon to pray, whether it's in the hospital or in other places, are a way of asking God's blessing, asking for that connection that is needed at that moment. In our United Methodist Book of Worship, towards the end, there are a whole series of prayers and blessings for different situations. Blessings for birthdays, blessings for graduates, blessings of new houses, blessings, blessings of situations that need, no, maybe we can get by without needing them, but we'll be so enriched by God's presence and activity. What more should we pray for when we're beginning a new school year? Whether we're talking about a kindergarten child who's going away from mom and dad for the first time and going to school, that's a traumatic spiritual event, not only for the child, but more so for mom and dad and grandparents. A blessing. Or what about those who are graduating? Going into a new avenue and venture of life and confident of themselves, but at the same time not confident of anything, and they need and want God. Well, what about those entering retirement? A prayer of blessing that a new stage of life will bring opportunities. A blessing of the animals. I don't think we ever did that when I was here. I did it at Northville and place on, and it was very, very interesting because some of the cats and some of the dogs didn't get along, but isn't that much like the world? And some of the dogs didn't even get along, and some, well, there's all of that, but in the role that they play in our lives of faith. A Jewish website lists 30, offers 36 well-crafted blessings. A blessing upon hearing bad news. At first I thought, that's not a blessing, because I see blessing being happy and everything, but when do we need God's presence more than when we've got some bad news? To be reminded it isn't the end of the world. A blessing on seeing the ocean or I would add the Great Lakes. A blessing on realizing the vastness of God's creation. A blessing before drinking wine. Oh, we won't go there. Uh, what should we offer blessings for? The rector at St. Clement's Episcopal Church in New York was criticized for the blessings that he offered. He offered some that were outside of the scope of the book of worship. He blessed an acting group who was going on tour. And some of the church says that's not appropriate. And he says, isn't it as appropriate as blessing a fox hunt? He said, we surely can bless human beings who are in a creative endeavor if we can bless animals. I get some interesting calls for blessing. I remember one in my first parish in Michigan when we had had a funeral. I went downstairs for the funeral lunch and it was, it was packed. And the woman that was in charge of the United Methodist Women who handled that said to me, will you do the blessing? And I thought, well, I usually do the blessing, okay. She said, one caveat, we're going to wait a few minutes and then you've got to make it as long as you can. And I said, but, but but why? The blessing of God will last a long time. She said, no, I'm talking about your talking. You see, we were only expecting about 40 or 50 people, and there were over 100 here, so we've sent people out to the deli, and we, 
I think we'd lost sight of what the blessing was about. It was in this very building at 3 o'clock one morning when I was asked if I'd do a blessing. Back in the days when I was pastoring here, part of the time I was third on the list for the alarm calls. And the protocol then was that uh, if the first two people were gone, I had to come down here. And the police would not come in and check out the building until someone responsible was here. And we had a door. It was the door over there that until we fixed it, if you would come up to it and shake it real hard, it would pop open. And I think there were some people that knew that and enjoyed uh, watching what happened after that. Because we never found anyone in the building, but the alarms had gone off. The police were here. There were probably six or eight of them. I let them in. They came in. They searched the whole building, turned on the whole lights. It took them half hour, 45 minutes or longer, and they said, it appears there's no one here. And as almost all of the police had left, a young officer, perhaps in his mid-20s, came over to me and he said, Father, will you bless me? Well, I wanted to say, uh, you know, the, there's a couple of churches down the road that are uh, that uh, uh, the Anglican or the Episcopal, I mean the Episcopal or the Catholic Church that would refer to me as Father. But then in a moment of restraint, I thought, this young man wants God's presence in his job. And he doesn't know that the next call that he makes may not be a door that needed to be fixed. It may be someone on the inside ready to do harm for him, and that was in the back of his mind. I don't know whether the blessing that I offered my priest friends would approve of, but a blessing was offered. This morning, the gospel lesson that we read is that of the feeding of the 5,000. A second example of blessing is the blessing by, David, of, by Samuel for David. If you were listening to the children's time, Samuel was the voice of God in Israel. Saul was the first king, but he had lost his way, both politically and, more important, spiritually. It was not going to be his sons and grandsons who would be king. There would be a new king from a different line. And Samuel had it from God. It was one of the sons of Jesse. So he goes out to visit Jesse and parades. Jesse parades the sons by. And Samuel just doesn't feel right about any of them. And he says, is this all the sons that you have? Well, you, well, you know, we got scrawny little David. He's... Only a youngster, he's out in taking care of the sheep because that's what the youngest do. And Samuel wouldn't take no for an answer. And finally, in comes David. And I don't know whether a light went off or bolts of lightning or whatever, but he believed that God was speaking to him and the blessing was given to David. The family didn't have much of expectations for David because he was the youngest. But, but he was the one that went on to become that great king. He was blessed. He may have been the youngest and not had political or economic or even spiritual power. That all went to the elders, elder brothers. But in the end, it was said he had a heart like unto that of God. The power of a blessing.
of connecting God with the real world, and David experienced that. The second blessing, even though the word blessing isn't used in most of the modern translations, when we read of what Jesus did with that food from that little boy, those five crackers, pieces of bread, and the two fish, when he lift them up, lifted them up, he gave thanks. And that word is the same as the one for blessing. He blessed them. You know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You've been in the life of the church very long. It's one of them we love to tell. Jesus had been out preaching and teaching, and he comes to a place where there's almost an amphitheater type, and more and more people were coming, and neighbors were saying, you've got to go listen to this prophet. He's like no other. He speaks the truth. He's telling us about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and what is going to happen. And they listened spellbound, not for a half hour or an hour, but for hours. And then the disciples realized there's no food. No one called a caterer. There was no McDonald's. There was nothing. And all they had was the food from a little boy. I have to think he was one that overheard the disciples saying, oh, there's no food. What are we going to do? And he says, well, here's what I have. And Jesus took that food, and he lifted it up, and he gave thanks, and he blessed it. And in that blessing, some great miracle happened. And they all ate. And the food, the food that was left over, filled baskets. How were the disciples in that? Do you think they stood at the front of the line and said, I'm not so sure about this, I better get some first. But Jesus blessed it. The power of a blessing. What is a blessing? I believe it's turning it over to God. It's taking the situation and saying, Lord, this is more than I am. You take it. We need you here, oh God. God, it is yours. It, and in that turning it over, we're not naive enough to think that we don't do some things. David was blessed, but he continued to grow and become a strong leader. He didn't just sit back and say, God blessed me, now you get out of my way. Those disciples, when they saw the blessing, they passed out the food. A blessing is calling upon the resources of God. Resources we may not fully understand, but we do know they are greater than we are, and it is left for us to question and wonder how God operates. But when we are asking a blessing, we are saying, God, will you be a part of this? And we all need that. The result of a blessing are usually or many times beyond our expectations. Did David's family expect him to be the greatest king of Israel? I doubt it. He's only a youngster. He's only a shepherd. Did the disciples, as they were passing out the fish and loaves and they'd seen the blessing, did they grab a bite first, expecting the food to run out? Or did they anticipate that those anywhere other than the first row were going to get anything to eat? I really don't know. But I think in both of these cases, and most of them that we find in Scripture, we, as part of the community of faith, underestimate what God can do. Some 40 years ago, a little, well, more than 40, I worked at UPS. 
it was not a glamorous job. It was unloading and loading semi-trucks, the boxes that were in them. And I'm sure it's all now done in a way where you don't have to go through the sweat and the work that we did back then. But it was three hours from 11.30 at night to 2.30 in the morning. In some ways it was good because I've been dealing with all the theoretical stuff of seminary and this was a time when you just worked hard and it was hot and the supervisors, they were a lot of the issue that uh, made time go by rather quickly. Their approach to motivation was not asking God's blessing, but was way on the other side. We said that you were only hired to be a supervisor if you had a loud voice, vulgar language, and a lack of intelligence. <laughs> I think there was something to that, but one supervisor excelled. His voice was louder, he was particularly offensive, and no matter how much you did, he had a vulgar way of letting you know you were no good. Most of the time, it just rolled off of us. But this was what was called a student shift, and it was mostly students from the University of Kentucky and Lexington, and there were about 15 of us from the seminary, uh, 15 miles, 12, 15 miles away. We complained, it did no good. We had our union steward, talked to the boss of our shift, and there were 75 or 80 of us working there. He basically didn't do anything. And finally, one of, our, uh, one of the, our workers said, hey, we pay union dues. We're members of the Teamsters. Let's go to the union. Now, you've got to have a picture of our union steward. He was a graduate student, very studious, he wore rimmed glasses. He was non-aggressive, to say the least. But he went to see the union rep. And he laid out the situation. We're tired of being cussed at and yelled at and screamed at, and we don't think it's helping us, and we just don't think it's right. Now, the Teamsters boss was a rotund, cigar-smoking, large, crude fella. When he'd heard the problems, he muttered something that can't be used in a sermon, and he reached in his drawer and pulled out an old 45. Not a 45 record, but a Colt 45. And he said, I've used this for the Brotherhood before, and I'll use it again. Now, the union steward we had, the studious graduate student, looked at him and said, well, we were thinking more of a letter of reprimand. <laughs> when we ask God's blessing, are we expecting are we expecting a letter of reprimand or are we expecting God to use a cannon? Now, I'm not endorsing violence, but I'm saying that so many times we are so timid about expecting something to come from God's blessing. Where does that leave us today? Are we ready to be part of feeding the 5,000? Are we ready to have the youngest among us be used of God to lead us to greatness like in Israel? Are we ready to be disciples who have the courage to live life in a different way? 
to pass out the loaves and the fishes? Are we ready? Are we ready to really connect our life with God and to help others connect at a time of crisis and change? Don't ever underestimate the power of a blessing. Don't ever underestimate what God may be doing through you and around you and with you. The power of a blessing is the power of God's presence in people in crisis, in joy, in transition. Let us pray. We thank you, O oh God, for blessings. We thank you that you are willing in the blessings to be involved in our lives. You're willing to wrap your arms around that little child in baptism and not only to walk with them as they walk out of the church, but to be with them when they take those first steps, when they go off to kindergarten, when they go off to schools much larger. The blessing is not some inane use of words, but it is a deep reminder that you are a God who chooses to be with us. In the name of Christ we pray.